0: What's up, guys? Today's episode is with Aaron Pinto, and I'm fired up because I just recorded it. But Aaron has an amazing energy, he's very magnetic. And he has such a positive mindset that's backed by personal development and he works in the finance industry in Vancouver, British Columbia. But the interesting thing about his story is where he came from and how he formed his competitive spirit. He was born in Kuwait, had amazing hardworking parents that instilled this work ethic into him and was able to develop that playing competitive AAA hockey. And altogether, I think this episode is, so, is very helpful for someone who maybe they don't believe in themselves right now, maybe they're stuck in a rut, or they're facing some sort of rejection or obstacle in their path. Aaron dives into not only the mindset of how you could overcome these challenges, but practical, you know, tangible tactics, like certain lists you could do, or certain um, ideas that you could literally plan out today. So I think this is a great episode for anyone who is facing those challenges. And other than that, let's dive into this episode, get to know Aaron, and I'll see you guys in it. Welcome to the Zenfulness Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Schmidt, and this podcast is about the transformation process for people who envision possibilities, cultivate their courage, and tap their potential. We are part of a group here who are inspired to chase their dreams, overcome limitations, and take action in the real world. Thank you for listening to the Zenfulness Podcast. Let's get started. All right, guys, welcome to the Zenfulness podcast. I'm here with a real go-getter. His name is Aaron Pinto and he's out in Vancouver, Canada. And, uh, I guess I'll just pass over the mic to Aaron and I just want to know, like, who is Aaron to the public? Uh, what do you do and what do you stand for?
1: Awesome. So, uh, Jeremiah, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction and, uh, good evening, actually, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm super fired up and grateful to be here. Um, you know uh, just being able to connect with Jeremiah I've actually met Jeremiah through different individuals but it goes to just show you how small the world really is and um, if you're just looking for good people good people come your way um, a little bit about myself uh, what I currently do I work in the financial service industry um, prior to that I'm actually from Calgary I moved to Vancouver just about um, a year almost two years now and um, But really what I stand for and what I look for is uh, my whole thing within my industry and what I do is just simplifying finance. It's all about education. Um, I believe that we were all put on this earth to just be a better individual and just do some good things. And Mm -hmm. I believe it's the actions of us helping other people that allow us to really make that better world and the world a better place. And so... I strive for that on a daily basis. And uh, when we get into a little bit more of how my mindset changed from where I was to where I, you know, where I am and where I'm going, um, you'll learn a little bit more about really just that one little effort. And I believe, uh, believe a lot in, uh, in the power of just something called one more. So, um, you'll learn a little bit more about that.
0: But yeah, and that, that's the thing Aaron. like, you're like, strike me as a super motivated person and a go-getter. And I guess, I just want to ask you, like, where did you initially get that from? Like, if we pull it back to like where you grew up, how your parents were like, um, can you dive more into like your, your, your childhood story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually born in the Middle East in Kuwait and, um, like growing up there, my, my parents worked for, they did very well for themselves. You know, my mom and my mom and dad worked for the Kuwait oil company. My mom was a nurse. My dad was an accountant and they had very good lives because in the Middle East, you don't really pay a lot of taxes. So the income that you make is, is very good and, and they were doing very well for themselves. Um, they worked very hard and I think that's one thing my parents really taught me was work ethic. But mm-hmm. they moved to Canada really just because of our education and, and they knew that, hey, if, if we graduated, we finished grade 12 in, in the Middle East, then we'd either have to go to America, we'd either have to go somewhere else like London. And they say, you know what, rather than you having to figure all that stuff out when you're 19, 20, let's just go and bite the bullet and let's have you just grow up in that, you know, that culture and that environment so then, you can, it's an easier transition. And so I'm honestly, that's the one thing I'm so grateful for. Um, the reason being is man, like if they didn't make that decision to pick up everything they had and move to a country where they don't speak the language, it's a different culture. Um, they know absolutely zero people. Um, Mm. you know, they're not from here. And so being able to bite the bullet and do that is really the the blessing and where I am today. And, um, where we're headed is really what drives me. Um, you see, as an immigrant, I'm sure, you know, I don't know if your, par- your, your parents were, uh, are you born here as well?
0: Uh, like my mom was from Ethiopia, but my dad was born here. So like I, I feel like that immigrant um, motivation Ooh. and I, yeah. I love that work ethic that, you know, people who move here kind of have.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's because we all like, even especially immigrants, you know, it's in America it's the American dream. Mm-hmm. I think it's that we're able to see the opportunity and that, you know, my parents, what they had is they wanted to make sure that we had a better life. And it's kind of, it goes back to this thing called legacy. And I believe we're all building our legacy in whatever, whatever we're doing. Um, the only difference, though, is the habits and the decisions we make on a daily basis either are going to make, make us have a massive legacy or it's going to be a legacy we're not too proud of. And so um, I, I really, um, you know, value that. And so, yeah, I moved to, moved to Canada when I was seven years old. I lived in Calgary. Um, and, man, I'll tell you, I was in grade two. I did not know anything about this country, bro. i like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I used to get like hand-me-downs and like, I was just out of place. Like, I, ju- I just remember like, I never, I, I, I moved around, like I started in the Northeast and then, uh, you know, moved to the Northwest and, um, had a very, very strict parents though. Like, you know, because it, it the, the challenge that I personally had was being an immigrant, like I'm trying to make friends here be a part of this culture where it's you know it's a little bit more relaxed it's more like independent versus mm-hmm. my parents they're trying to instill their cultures and so it kind of comes to this clash where i'm trying to do what my parents want me to do but also trying to live my life and um that kind of you know was was a very big factor in in what allowed me in the future years to decide that hey you know what if it's to be it's up to me and and, um, just growing up, like, yeah, that, that was kind of the big thing on moving here and, and just being in a, in a city that, or a country really, that they had definitely no idea from.
0: Okay. So, and so you grew up in Kuwait until you're age seven, your parents are like motivated, you know, working oil well there and they want to move to, they moved to Canada. So like when you first moved to Calgary, what were your thoughts? Like back as a seven year old, did you want to leave or did you not care? Or were you excited to, you know, come to Canada?
1: I was always open to new opportunities. Like I'm a very like optimistic individual. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was seven. I don't have very vivid memories, but I do have a couple when I was a young kid. I remember the first time I saw snow, um, oh, that yeah. Was <laughs> yeah, I still remember to this day, you know, we were, we used to live in one of our family friends, uh, basement. And, uh, I remember seeing snow and the next day, I remember like watching it in movies, you know, you go out and make a snow angel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that with my mom and. I remember I had a snowball fight, and oh, I it was it was it was a lot of fun. And um, but but going on that is you know we've never been used to snow, and this kind of goes right into the hardship is that my mom was a nurse, and so you know a lot of parents when they moved from back home they have very good degrees and they're very good they have high credentials. And I was similar to my parents, and so when they moved here, their credentials weren't as equivalent. And so you know you can kind of just imagine for themselves they got a family to feed. And their credentials aren't equivalent. So, do they go to school? Do they go to work? Like, how do they make it happen? And so, I remember it was uh, my mom ended up getting a job because she's a nurse. And you probably know because of Calgary, she used to live in Castle Ridge, and her job was in Mackenzie Town.
0: Holy, oh, that's in the southwest. And
1: uh, yeah, like very, very far. And I remember we didn't we didn't have a car. Um, and I still remember to this day my mom used to work two jobs, and you know she she'd literally wake up at five in the morning go down to the Mackenzie town and then come do another job and then come home at like two in the morning, sleep like four hours and did that for like oh. six months. And so it, it's, it, that, that reminds me of the winter as well. Cause uh, we remember this one time we went and it was the biggest blizzard. Okay. And uh, it, it was funny cause my parents like, are, like I'm brown, right? So like I was red, bro. Like, I, I, like my face was yeah. literally red because it was so cold. And uh, I still remember this though. Like me and my sister were having so much fun. Like, even through the adversity of, like, us not even knowing where we're going, we're on a train trying to find out where Mackenzie Town is or the bus. Mm-hmm. And, um, even through all those adversities, we still found the, you know, the happiness in it. We're like, man, this is awesome. Like, it's so cold, but we're so happy. And I don't know. It was uh, it was those kind of challenges. And so um, that was my first initial thing when I moved here. Um, and that was kind of, like, in my like – around grade two and grade three. And then we moved to uh, kind of northwest, and I had a different kind of upbringing on that.
0: So so that's that's inspiring, so your mom has this incredible work ethic where she's waking up early you know going all the way to the south to you know do her do her nursing um is that kind of what would you say gave you that motivation factor just seeing your mom grind like that or
1: hundred percent hundred percent um just seeing her just you know give it her all um still drives me today uh, and and you know one of my big goals is actually retiring her in the next year on her birthday so um i i it's crazy just because you know you don't realize how much your parents have actually done for you until you get older and you're kind of on your own and you know Mm -hmm. it's it'll it's it's funny because when you're living on your own no one's cooking food for you you're very independent you got to make your own meals you got to prep your own time and having that mother figure around is so important and you really start to appreciate what they've done and um, yeah, her her work ethic definitely was stuck with me and helped me through my like you know my sports career and everything like that. It was it was very much so like it was it was more more so on like on a on a scale where if someone said that oh I can't do it I will do it like my haters motivated me like I think that's kind of what stuck to me as a, as a kid growing up was you know and she even said that like like and here's the thing though is like grow and some of these people on the call may actually or, or hear this may feel the same ways as my parents were very like you know proper like very religious very like upright very like good i was kind of like the black sheep and uh you know i was bad to my parents but like to an average canadian family household i was like a brilliant son but you know it was and it was kind of that clash and so um i just had to prove to them that hey you know what i know where i was going my vision was there um it was just that i had to figure myself out and go through some adversities and, and work on myself but um, yeah, I get I, I'm excited, bro. I'm just kind of going all over the place, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so okay, so now that you're seven and you kind of grew up in Canada, and w- was there a point where you're motivated? Like, where did you kind of get more of your motivation as you grew up? You said you had like a sports background, yeah, based some adversities. Uh, could you dive into like more of that and how that led to the financial? Side?
1: Totally, totally great question. So um, I moved here and I started playing soccer because everyone plays soccer. I played cricket actually back home, but I was too young. like I was six years old. Mm-hmm. So I loved sports. I was very athletic. Um, and when I came that year, the Calgary Flames actually made it to the finals against Tampa Bay. So that was 03. Oh, yeah, that
0: was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? And so I just fell in love with the game, bro. Like, it was people were on the street. Like, everyone was like, the horn, like, Red Mile. Like, I just loved it. I loved Kipper'saw. You know, Kippersov was just like, oh, he's such a good goalie. And I still remember I used to pretend like I was Kippersov, like playing like in my in my apartment. And um, yeah, I loved him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. And, and so um, I grew a passion for hockey and I said, you know, I want to play hockey, and I, I kinda like kept on saying that to them. Um, they put me in a skating lessons for a year, and then I started hockey, and this is where I was in about grade five right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I'm in about grade five. A lot of the kids that you know I played hockey with in the future, and you'll see as they get older, they started when they were very young. So I started when I was a, a little bit later. And so um, my first year, I think out of like fourteen teams, I made like the eight team or something like that. And then the next year, I made the eight team again. And then I started moving to the fourth team and the third team. And I started playing AAA. And so um, wow. going back to a little bit of that, so people understand is. Like I never, I didn't come like when I came moved to Vancouver, Calgary. It's like I didn't come from a wealthy family. We we came from humble beginnings, mm-hmm. and my parents didn't have that extra income to put me into those private camps. Does that make sense? So it mm-hmm. was just me going on Google, finding K okay, hockey workouts, going to Cardell Place like Vivo, and literally just training, like just training insane, like literally go to speed. like I go to I go to uh, skating class like public skate. I go to shinny like. I would just be working on myself and mastering my craft and getting better at skating. My 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 shot was really good, but my stick handling, they, they used to make a joke, I used to stick handle like stone hands. Mm-hmm. My stick handling sucked, but uh, I had great skating. And so um, that like consistent grind, like I fell in love with hockey and so loved pursuing that. I wanted to, um, one of my goals was actually to play for uh, Team Canada, but that never, that didn't really happen. But <laughs> well, we'll represent Canada one way or another. Um, but yeah, very, very competitive in, in hockey. And I love the, the, the path of competition cause that kind of drives me in what I do today. So,
0: mm-hmm. so what would you say? are some of the, um, lessons you learned from, you know, playing triple A hockey. That's like super, I think that's, that's super competitive, right? Like that's right under, um, AHL, I think.
1: Yeah, like WHL, all that kind of I did a couple caps wow. as well. Yeah. So, um, and I, and here's the thing, a couple of things that I learned from hockey was first was discipline. The second was team effort. Um, being able to collaborate as a team and and doing what's best for the team, does that make sense? And I think mm-hmm. um, being able to take your ego aside, because in sports and as guys, like we have a big ego, and being able to put that aside and doing what's best so you can so the whole team wins. I think that's really what sports taught me, as well as just never giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it, it kind of goes and and it goes back to what I've learned now about self identity, because if you after training you know you're just going to do one more like one more set of lines you're going to shoot another bucket of pucks you're going to go to the outdoor rink and just do that one more effort like that's where in a game you build that self-identity and you're like i am going to score and that's kind of where in sports you see it, you know especially in football like those players they're, they're in motion they go and catch the ball because they visualize it so much mm-hmm. um i think it's that discipline of work the like work ethic and just consistently going so Definitely discipline, team, you know, being a team player, um, working on yourself and, and absolutely just never giving up is some of those things that hockey taught me.
0: Yeah, and I love that about you, Erin, how like you went into Cardell Place and you practiced on your own. You literally Google searched training and you were yeah. in a way your own coach. Um, I think that's like a rare quality that some people have. Like, how, how do you think someone could, at let's say, at a young, a young adult, could be more like self motivated or like coach themselves? or be willing to go out and try things on their own kind of like the way you did um what advice would you have to someone like that
1: i think the biggest one is you need to look forward to being okay to failing you need to be okay at like not succeeding the first time and just keep on going um and and you know i i was just privileged that um, I just put in that effort and I, I believe, you know, having a very spiritual parents and, and being able to have God in our life, like that obviously helped as well. Cause um, you know, I, I kind of a relationship with God as well is another story that we'll talk about as well. But um, I think just putting in the work and having the end in mind and knowing your why and what you're doing, what you're doing like, if you're a young individual and you're just looking at, Hey, you know, I want to make a sports team. It's okay. Hey, you want to make the sports team. That's the end result. But the question is, what are you willing to give up and what are you willing to go through in order to get that is the bigger question. Is it going to be that you're going to wake up every day in the morning and you're going to go for a run? Is it mean that you're going to train two times a day? Does it mean that you're going to, you know, have a, reg- a, a, a regimen of what your diet looks like it's, it's that preparation. And in that preparation, there's a separation occurs. So definitely find out why you're doing what you're doing is, is the biggest thing. And, and act, Just act on it, like, like mm-hmm. do the work. You know, and I think so many individuals now, like they know why they want to do it because like personal development and you work on it yourself is a very big thing in our age now. You know, there's an ad every 30 seconds on YouTube that, Hey, let me show you how to make a million bucks. But I think the biggest thing that everyone's lacking and we miss is the work. You know, it, it's, everyone gets excited about the income. Everyone gets excited about the result, but no one gets excited about, Hey, you got to put your head down and actually go through the blood, sweat, and tears and get the reward there. So mm. do the work.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's one thing that I've admired achieving. Like I remember the day I first met you, like at that Starbucks, like you just had like this, you kind of, kind of sense it off certain people, like they, they just have that work ethic mode. Like you just came from another meeting, you were in that work mode and you were just on, you're ready to go to something else after that, right? Yeah. I think that's rare to, I think a lot of that, maybe you, maybe you built that through hockey and through that discipline. And it's kind of serving you now in life. It's this thing that you can't really get taken away from you. Um, but I guess coming back to your story, and from once you ended hockey, like wh- what was your transition out of that and-, and why did you end it? And, you know, how did that lead you to who you are now?
1: Yeah, really good question. Um, and so what ended up happening was my vision was to go play NCAA hockey. I wanted to go to the States and um, that's kind of why I pursued hockey because I wanted to go get a scholarship and you know play hockey in the States mm. would have been a dream and so What ended up happening was um, in my grade 12 year um, I did a bunch of camps and what happened was I figured out that if I were to play junior hockey I would have to take a year off university because I wasn't that like I wasn't like Amazing at hockey like I was decent mm. I needed work, but I'd have to take some time and actually build more skills in hockey in order to play junior first before i was able to go play for university or go to school with it and at that point you know like i said the reason i moved to canada from the middle east was for what education right so my like i went to school and so university was like like literally breathed upon myself like i, I, don't, I don't even know what's the word but yeah. um, maybe delete that right but university was just it was so important into our family like into my household that um there was no there was no like you're not going to university. Does that make sense? That mm. um, was not even a conversation that we would have. And so, um, yeah, in grade 12, I decided to not even play quadrant hockey anymore. I went back to just playing house, um, focus on school, and then I got into business. I wanted to do engineering, actually. And uh, what happened was in physics, my physics 30 uh, diploma came back and that was kind of the end of my dreams in, in yeah. engineering. And uh, I decided, hey, you know what, I'm good at business. I like talking to people. Um, let me get into business. and. Um, at that time in grade 12, that's actually when I was introduced to uh, world financial group and what I do now. And that's where I started seeing a little bit more on that mindset. That's where my, my growth in my mind started to happen because I was 16 years old and I was around people that, you know, are making significant income, but more importantly, they're just thinking differently. And so now at that point, my mind's like, okay, cool. I want to be around my friends that are 16, 17, that want to have fun, enjoy parties, house parties, all that. Mm -hmm. But I also want to be around these people that are very successful. And so. That was a constant battle there. And that kind of transitioned in me be like being okay, like, you know what, I'm going to jump into business. Let me just try it out, see what happens. And man, I'll tell you, as a, as an 18-year-old, and this is like when I finished junior, uh, high school, as an 18-year-old just trying to get into business, I didn't understand business. I just thought, man, it's unsexy that I'm in business. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, got a credit card for myself, business lunch, you know, business dinners. And uh, you end up you know, spending more than you're making, really, because I didn't really understand how to manage my money. And I was in school this time. So, so get this, I kind of finished, um, focused on, yeah. So finished, finished hockey, decided that, Hey, you know what, I'm going to focus on school. And in the future, if I get with a good company or whatever, there's always hockey teams, I'll play that for fun. I'll do it as a passion, as a hobby, pursued school. And now at this point in my life, uh, I'm in university. I realize that, Hey, uh, family wise, things aren't really going as well as I planned at home. I'm starting to get a little bit more of independence. I kind of want to be like. I wanted to actually leave Calgary, but my so my sister went to Edmonton. My parents were like, hey, okay. you stay here? And uh, I'm like, hey, fine. I'll stay in Calgary and uh, started started going to school there. And and found me stuff wasn't really going really well. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna remove myself and work on me. And I started living on my own when I was 18.
0: Wow. Okay. So like, okay. Let's let's dive into that. Okay. <laughs> so so you end up leaving at 18. That that's rare now. So like, what was that
1: story? You know, yeah. So. Like going back to that, like I said, you know, growing up, I knew what I wanted to do was something big, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just, there was just a fire within me that just says, I just want to be somebody. I don't want to do something great in the world. And um, I never, I didn't really get that support from home because don't get me wrong. My associations weren't as good as they are now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's funny because your parents really see that and try and let you know, but you don't really want to listen because you have an ego. I'm um, going back to the ego setting part, mm-hmm. And, um, I said, you know what, if we're just arguing every single day, the reason we're arguing is because of me. So I don't want to infringe your happiness because I'm the problem. I'd rather work on myself, take myself out of the picture. So you're happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Make
1: sense? And so, um, I did that and I, I just said, you know what, I'm just gonna like, just do it. And I bit the bullet. I just got a place. My mom was upset she was crying like crying 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 and i said i'm gonna do it because look the thing that motivates me most is people that don't believe me or that say you can't do it and uh that's a big factor for myself so i did that and um you know having i went back home for a couple months and i said no i can't do this so i ever since then i've built on my own and wow. uh yeah
0: oh yeah <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> um, yeah um so, yes so what were your initial thoughts when you first moved out like what happened then?
1: I was excited, man. It was freedom. I was like, "Okay, I get to go out whenever I want." And uh, you know, I started going out a lot. I started uh, falling behind in school, actually. Um, and it was crazy because I lived on my own. I went to school full time. I had a part time. I had a full time job. I also had a part time job, and then I was still trying to do WFT at the same time.
0: Well, wait, so, so, what did you do for your work? Like, you had to, so you had a full time. Okay, you got to dive into this, Aaron. Yeah,
1: so I start university. Yeah. And I was working at a company named Jack and Jones. So I've been only, I've been in sales my whole life. So um, growing up, like when I was playing hockey, I worked at SportCheck and, mm-hmm. and acquired a lot of my sales like skills. Like I was number one in Western Canada. They gave me free skates. Like I started progressing to Jack and Jones and then from Jack and Jones I got offered a job at Hope Renfrew. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing luxury retail right now, but I started off in uh, as a stock boy in the women's shoes. And oh. So I loved, yeah. So, uh, I, it was funny cause they hired me in boxing around boxing time. And so I was just doing stock and again, like I learned from one of my coaches. Now, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And I just busted my tail, you know? And so um, it got to a point where I was actually starting to sell some shoes as like a stock boy and they're like, Oh, you got some good sales skills. And, uh, then they moved me up to menswear and I started building, you know, kind of a career in Whole and through. So I was going to school full time. I worked full-time at Whole Renfrew with full-time hours because I was really good at uh, making my schedule work and I'll, I'll tell you more about that as we go on and then I started working at Cactus Club because this is right when Cactus and Stephen Ave opened. So you
0: work in, you're working you're in school full-time job at Holt Renfrew part-time at Cactus
1: yeah and, plus then I, WFG. and I was still trying to run WFG part-time yeah wow so what like, let me show you, let me explain how that works. So Tuesday, Thursday would be my school full day because it'd be like nine to like nine to six like the whole day and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday I'd have open or it'd be like kind of like it'd be fragment. So I'd work like three to four days out of the week and then Friday thurs, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'd work at whole at uh, Cactus Club because it was the weekend and that's when they started opening it. and then once or two days a week, I'd probably go to I would WFG. And so I was just balancing. I, I didn't really go to class either. I'll be up front. Mm. Like my whole degree, I kind of just taught myself because I, I just, yeah, it was just, it's, it's tough with some professors when you don't really understand them and you go in and you're like, I'm just going to teach myself. So I was, it was a lot of self-study during my my university career. And so I was doing that for a little bit and I got burnt out. So I stopped um, and then um, just started going to school, focusing on some more things. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so i guess reflecting on that period you know what would you say are some of the like the number one thing that kind of led you to your success and your work ethic
1: um you see i see a lot of times people say i don't have time it's not the fact that you don't have time it's that you don't have your priorities in check so when people say i don't have time to do something you do have time because every single man and woman has 24 hours in a day Mm. right bill gates is 24 hours you and i have 24 hours the only difference is what are you doing with each hour of your time you see i was so precise with my time i'd be like okay from here to, like, in the mornings i'm here okay after that i go here after that i'm doing this like it's, it was very like a routine schedule in that um there's yeah so it was, it was very much of just being able to schedule in things and finding the priority and okay what do i value is more priority and at that time it was money like i needed to make money because have to live right you can only have sleep for so many times for dinner when you're like hey i need to eat some food
0: <laughs> wow that's that's incredible man that's yeah working like three jobs plus school that's that's intense <laughs> yeah um so i guess from that point um like how far is this from when you left to vancouver and, and what was that transition
1: so after I, I got, I used to you know buy and sell cars. I used to kind of flip things, and and that was kind of fun for a little bit. And then I said, you know what? I wanted a trip to Europe. I love to travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went, came back from Europe, um, it was kind of like, hey, like what am I doing with my life? It was really a wake up call. And I said, what do I want to do long term, like longevity wise? Like where do I want to be? And um, at that point in my life, like the people around me, they were great individuals. Like a couple of them are still my buddies today, but. Um, I was starting to take an inventory of the people I, you know, hung around and the person I was becoming. And I didn't really like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really, it wasn't really with my morals, how my parents raised me. Um, And it was tough because uh, the hardest part is, you know, when they're your best friends and you're so close and you just realize they're not really helping you grow. Mm -hmm. um, That was the hardest part from breaking that. And, uh, you know, I, I really struggled with that a lot is being able to, disassociate from people that weren't really serving me long term and i finished school and i moved. i came to vancouver just like as a grad trip and when i came here i had a couple interviews lined up and um, in that week there was a company i was working for intact in in calgary so intact insurance was doing home and auto claims and then i moved out here and the, the sister company beller they hired me out right away and i said okay cool here's an opportunity i wanted to stay in calgary but Oil and gas was the only way I'd go within finance, and I wasn't really interested in that. I thought, hey, there's more opportunity in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I came out here, and right when I came, that first week, I got a job offer to move out to Vancouver. So I said, boom, that's exciting. I got a job lined up. Um, and uh, the funny kind of story after that is I also had a trip planned to Montreal. So if you're a student, uh, there's a thing called Go Explore. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but if you apply for it, you can actually go to Montreal for a month. You learn French, uh, they pay for everything, food, accommodations. You just have to show up and learn French. And so I said, Mm -hmm. okay, I love, I love learning new languages. It'd be a great way to go. I was in level one French. Um, I hated French in high school and junior high, but, um, it was a cool like little grad kind of gift for myself. And then I still remember this. I came back to Calgary, um, to walk the stage for convention, uh, convocation. And I, my mom and dad were there at, at grad, right, at graduation. And my mom didn't believe I graduated. Like she she thought I was lying to her that I, I was walking the stage. And she didn't believe until I actually crossed the stage that I graduated university. Like That's how much like my parents didn't believe of what I was doing and like the person I was and all those kind of things. Does that make sense? I don't really want to touch into that, but that can mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of show you. And I literally got my degree. I gave it to my mom. I'm like, all right, mom, this is for you. I'm going to go to Vancouver. And then I, I moved to Vancouver the next week. So, um, wow. yeah.
0: But So I guess I do want to touch on that area. And like, I know for you, it's, it seems like you've lived like multiple different lives. Like you've done so much in this amount of time, like yeah. actually, or how old are you right now? Or I'm
1: 23.
0: Oh, 23. Wow. Wow. Man, that's, that's, that's incredible. But, uh, you said like, you always had this feeling of people who doubted you, let's say a big factor that I'm getting from this is your, your parents, right? Like your parents didn't believe in you and it kind of pushed you to just go and try stuff out and try and focus on success. Um, you like touched more about like the challenges there and you know, like why, why that motivates you?
1: Like the challenge within my parents?
0: Uh, yeah. Like, or like just challenges there and you know, how you've used that to kind of push you forward.
1: Yeah, so for those that know me in Calgary, like I have a sister, and my sister was like the golden child. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a year older than me, and uh, she was straight A student, great girl. Like, she, I, you know, her and I have a way better, uh, amazing relationship now. We're rekindling it, but she was always like the good kid, and I was always the bad kid, right? And it was kind of always labeled. I was always labeled like that. I was a bad son. Like, Aaron, you're a bad kid. I got notes in my agenda. So for anyone on the call that's listening here, you have notes in your agenda. You know, teachers are putting you into all these things. Trust me, I've been there. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was actually since I was born in December. Um, I'm a year younger than someone that's born in January of '96, right? So me growing up, I was very immature in school, so they thought that I had like ADD and all those things. And so at a young age, I I I was just very young, and so my sister was very good, but I was very hyper, and so that kind of really drove me to say, you know what? Like I'm not what they say I am. You know, I I am destined for more. I'm going to do some great things. And um, The thing that I think your question, going back to that, was really what drove me, right, with the, with those adversities. Mm-hmm. I think I was telling you that a little bit earlier was because I had such strict parents in high school, I never really got invited to a lot of parties. I didn't really go to parties. Uh, maybe I just wasn't popular. Or maybe I just didn't get invited. Who knows? But back in my mind, I said, you know what? There's going to be a time when we come up to our high school reunion And there's going to be a time in the next 10, 15 years when we're all going to meet up again. And at that time, I know when they'll see me pull up, it's going to be a way different story. And they'll be like, who is that? And so that was something that I held to. And I really, really drove was that, look, right now it's not going to matter. But in the next five, 10, 15 years, that's going to really show. And and that's kind of what I started working on and started focusing on. So that really was my big push. um, you know, obviously through that, I was able to meet some great mentors and my coaches right now and be able to change my thinking. But that dream was a little fire kind of as a kid growing up and my parents were just like, you know what, Nicole's kind of better than you. Um, you know, this and that and just like, hey, you're, you're a bad kid. That kind of drove me too, to say, you know what, I will make a name for myself. I'm gonna do that. And, uh, you know, go through adversities. But remember, you got to fall down seven, get back eight. So that mm-hmm. kind of drove me in. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I love that. That's, I think that's a Japanese proverb, right? Fall back, fall down seven, get, get back up eight. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's super admirable, Aaron. But, um, first let's say if there's someone listening to this and you feel, or a guy or a girl out there who feels, feels like they're in the same situation as you, maybe they don't fit in at school cause they're a little bit younger or something's going on there. Or then at home, they kind of don't fit in there. Um, how could someone like, build the courage kind of as you and go, go on their own way. Like what advice would you have for someone who is literally in your position?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, And, 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 and to help somebody understand that if you're going through a situation where no one really believes in you um, and you're not really getting that support that you need and you're just looking for that support, man, that's a, that's a very tough question. And um, first thing I'd say is, one like for me, what I've learned get get connected. You know, just get connected with the your inner self, because mm-hmm. all the answers you need to your questions are within you. The only question is, are you willing to actually sit down with yourself, have a meeting, and and your answers will get solved. Like if you actually spent five ten minutes sitting down with yourselves and and going over the questions in your head and and planning it out. You know, I don't need to believe in God or nature. Or, or power, whatever, have you, um, you'll find that solution to what you need. And, and the second thing is once you know what you got to do, do it. Um, and I think for most people is dream, like, like think big, because if you don't think big, like you're not only just hurting yourself, you're hurting your legacy, um, Because remember, like for me, I I think very big and I'm a dreamer because I believe the world is is literally so much opportunity. Like it's a land of opportunities, but this is the biggest opportunity here. And I think Mm -hmm. if you allow your mind to think so big, like, even if you don't hit all of that, you'll still fall close. So for someone right now, like I I take a blank paper, I just jot down, okay, where do I want to be? What are the people I want to be like, like who who do I see myself And, and then Jot it back, Hey, okay, What do I have to do in order to get there? What are some small things I can work on? And remember, it's the small wins that you're gonna do. Hey, I'm gonna wake up early. Great, I woke up. I'm not gonna eat these things. Good, I didn't eat that. And you start building that self-identity, you start building that self-confidence. Like right now I'm gonna I'm gonna think called 75 Hard. And dude, that's the hardest thing for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's the hard dude. I've done it like four times. Yeah, I know you're supposed to do it, three. I failed. And, and, you know, I can give you every single excuse because those are all excuses, but again, my reasons aren't bigger enough if I give you an excuse. So I, I have a saying with my team right now is you give no excuse and you take no excuse. So, um, excuses when people say I'm trying, they're just lying. And I don't, I don't think it's, if you wanted something in life, you're going to go get it. So mm-hmm. hopefully that kind of helps answer that question. Oh,
0: no, it, it does. Like, and I even want to bridge this back into your your story with WFG, like what is WFG and what have you learned from it? And like, what exactly is it to someone who's listening?
1: Yeah. So some may, some of you know, what WFG is, some don't, I was actually kind of, I quit, I started and quit almost three times. Mm. And if I can explain world financial group to you in one sentence, um, it is a personal development Academy with a very high compensation structure with education in the financial industry. So to elaborate on that, like, you know, I did the whole four year route in finance and it was a great, um, academic route. Um, I learned a lot of the theories, but I didn't understand the practical implementations. And when I came to Vancouver and I was just looking like, bro, I came here, I was hungry, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was looking to become somebody like I used to work full time. And then after work, I'd work a part-time job at a high end steakhouse called Gotham Steakhouse. And I had a mindset like, look, I'm going to go and grind for the next three to four years, build a name for myself. And hey, if I'm, if I'm serving a table and it's a good person, he may know some good people. I'm going to network with him. And I did, right. So I was very much on that networking and growing. And so, um, got into WFG because of a good friend of mine, you know, he kept on following up with me. His name's Colton Burr. You may actually know him. He's actually in Calgary. He's doing amazing things right there, right now. Um, and I just saw his development and his mindset. And so reached out to him. He got me connected with a good friend of mine, Raj, in here now. And when I got started, I said, man, I know how these things work on a complex scale, but what if we can just go and educate Canadians on how they can manage their money? And mm-hmm. I kind of got into the business more on a service aspect. And now being able to just teach people, like I've done coaching and I've done, you know, I've coached kids growing up, playing hockey and, um, the ability to just help people get educated on such an important concept. Um, That's what World Financial Group's done, but the mindset that it's developed and allowed me to grow and have, that's also changed my life. Um, So World Financial Group, they're, they're a distributor in the financial service industry. And really we work in all main areas, like mortgages, investments, and insurance. But what we're doing versus the traditional industry is we're helping middle income families get access to this education that only the wealthy do. Mm. And that's what I love about what we do and that's why I stand for what we do. So yeah.
0: So Aaron, coming back to that, you said you almost quit four times. I know a couple other friends who I knew a one friend in WFG, but why do you think what separates the people who are successful working that who don't give up and persist from the people who kind of quit and stumble and can't really get anywhere with
1: it? Great question. Um the first thing is ownership. Okay. The first thing is ownership is that many individuals, they come in and it's mindset too. many individuals come in and I see this on a daily basis is they don't have a mindset of a business owner. Now, if I were to ask you what company or what business do you know that created profits in their first year?
0: Um, probably not many. Was it? Yeah,
1: absolutely not. And so most people think they come in here. Yes, you can make good income, But they think they're gonna make hundred k in their first six months, and it's like, understand you're running a business, and we'll touch on a little. I know you have some questions on how I built it here in Vancouver, but um, the first thing is people they they deposit some work, but they don't wait to cash out the withdrawals. They like here to put it in an easier way to understand is people quit too soon. Why? Because they let the opinion of someone else dictate the way that they live. And
0: yeah, I, want to, I want to touch on that too, how to get over that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and so what I've seen is that, you know, people will go get advice from someone that's not really doing great in life. And I've been, I've been thinking I'd say, look, only be getting advice from people that you would trade life places with. And so many people, they get advice from someone and they say, Oh, I've tried it, but it didn't work. And I say, look, are you and them the same person? No. Because all world financial group comes down to is the work ethic, Mm. right? It's, you have to deposit the checks. Like you have to go through the battles. You have to go through the rejection. And so many people, bro, so many people, when they hear the word no, or when they get rejected, they crumble and they don't like that feeling they get when Aaron wasn't there. They don't like that feeling that their friend or someone said, oh, it's this, it's that. They don't like that feeling. And so they say, you know what? I'm not down for it. It's not, it's not me. Because mm-hmm. everything's identity, isn't it? Look, it's funny because look, when you start university, when you start university, what do you say? Oh, I'm, I'm in finance. Oh, I'm an engineer. You're not even an engineer. You don't even know what you're studying. You're like, oh, I'm an engineering student. But here you come in here, you don't really know what this is. You don't really associate your identity within it. And you're scared to, because there's so much, you know, good and bad things out there. So you don't really know what to stand for. And what we're doing is look, bro, there's good and bad people in any organization. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to build first is heavily on customer service, but secondly is the education. And so we're changing the name. We're changing the face of, of the company and, um, I'm so blessed to be on that, on that, on that role because, um, you know, just being around such young individuals like myself that have that drive, that have that vision, because it's a platform at the end of the day. And you know, you and I can be in the same business, but your business and my business is totally different. Why? Cause we're different people. So with, when that happens is there's good and there's bad people. We can't decide the, the moral ethics of an individual, right? Mm-hmm. And so most people, when they hear these free advice or they get these things, they kind of just forget about their dreams and they just go with that and, and uh, they kind of kill themselves out of business. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of what I've, what I've seen a lot is, is ownership mindset and just getting free advice from other people.
0: Yeah. You know, there's two things in there that I wanna that I love, Aaron. And I want to dig deeper into that. Cool. But the first thing you mentioned is um, how to get over or being held back by the opinions of other people. Mm. Um, like, how could someone get over that? And you know, where have you got over that in your own story?
1: Um, huge, huge man. Um, so getting over the fact, and this is what I've learned came okay? at the end of the day, your life is a movie and I'm sure you watched movies before. All right. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, wouldn't you agree? There's, there's these five principal characters you know, the main character, the villain, the this and that. Like, I don't watch movies at all because I'm we're too busy listening to podcasts. But <laughs> yeah. in life, so many people get, you know, so many people will take advice and allow, you know, bartender one or taxi driver two or a girl on the street three's opinions impact their life. Right? It's it's we allow the the opinions of other people to make either make us feel good or make us feel bad. And Mm -hmm. what I realized was, look, there's five core people in my life that I care about how they view me, my mom, my dad, my sister, and and a couple other people. Right. And those are the only opinions that I care about versus, you know, you post something and someone says something negative about you, man, that's not even going to matter. Right. Because
0: Mm
1: -hmm. though, look. I learned this the other day and and people may get maybe either catch this or not is look, a problem isn't a problem until you start feeding energy to it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. A problem is never a problem until you start feeding that negative energy and making it a problem. Whereas you feel something that may be a problem. Cool. What you got to do is find a solution for it. Disassociate for yours from it. And then look at your goals and affirmations and then focus on where you're headed.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's deep. And like, I guess even coming back to you, Aaron, like I noticed you're like very kind of directed, like you've always had this direction to even just think about these things and like, even I thing like the five other people in your lives, not to really take them that seriously and mm-hmm. focusing on the people who really impact you, like your uh, parents and your sister and a few other people like that. But I noticed, this is maybe a, a kind of a strange question, but I noticed that people who typically have that direction are either like religious or spiritual. Like I know for me, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but like how has that played a role in your life and led you to your success
1: as well? Um, it's gratitude, bro. Like I remember I played, p- so I, I grew up playing piano and then in, high, in junior high I played uh, trumpet and I actually have a trumpet here, but um, growing up I actually played for the, the youth band in church. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, and, you know, we'll touch into a kind of another topic was I used to play trumpet on the youth groups and um, people would come up to me after and say, man, like, I love the way you played the trumpet. Like, it's so beautiful. Like, And I love doing that because it was kind of a way of me giving back to God, like, you know, just giving thanks for the gift that he's given me of music and being able to play it and help other people. So that gratitude that I started receiving from other people and saying, wow, that's so amazing was, was good. And so, um. I think being able to be brought up in kind of that religious household allowed me to care for others. And it allowed me to know that this life isn't just for granted. Mm. Um, And yeah. So like I said, going back to that, right? Like playing for, for the youth group and playing music for church gave me that sense of gratitude and being able to have that gratitude allowed me to like, like I said, right. for me, life at the end of the day is we're all here for a purpose. Um, and it's up to us to find out what that purpose is, but more importantly, is the only way that we can live our life is through the actions that we have. And so if we have each action with purpose, that allows us to live the life that we want. Mm -hmm. So having a state of gratitude and purpose will allow each action that you have, go back to why you're doing it.
0: Wow. So, so Aaron, like how could someone, let's say friendly advice, like to your older self or at moments where you were lacking purpose, how could someone find purpose? Um, What advice would you have to that person?
1: yeah great question um the first thing i always ask is if you're in a rut you're negative something's going wrong you're having a bad day and we have all those things i have bad days as well and i pause and the first question i ask myself is what are you grateful for because i believe if you can find a way to get into a state of gratitude everything is fine because you start becoming appreciative and and there's this thing called your ras so one of my good mentors ed my Um, You know, I've had privilege of getting coached by him and we we learn a lot from him, but he has this concept of RAS. It's called your reticular activating system. He sees me. And it's like, if you're in a crowd and someone says your name, Jeremiah, what do you do? Do You look right. When you just buy a brand new Honda Civic and you're driving that, you're like, man, there's so many blue Honda Civics on the street. Why? Because it's your reticular activating system. So when you wake up your day and you shock yourself or you're having a negative time, you shock yourself with some gratitude. What does your mind start looking for? It's your subconscious mind. They start searching for positive things. And so when you have those positive things, it doesn't matter where you are. You then look at, Hey, do you have your goals? Do you have your reasons? And you figure out, look, what legacy do you want to leave? If you have, so for people on the call that are listening to this, they may have some problems with uh, finding out their purpose, finding out who they are, what they want to do. I challenge them to spend some time with themselves because remember the most important meeting is with yourself. Okay. And you just figure out, look at the end of the day, there's going to be a day when we're all have left this world. There's two things in life that are guaranteed. It's death and taxes. We'll talk about finance another time. (laughs) When that time happens, how do you want to be remembered? Okay. So again, Ed says, look, at that time, when that moment happens, there will be that version of you that you will meet. The question though, is, is that version of that person you will meet, are they congruent to who you are or is that a totally different person? And at that point where you will be like, man, you could have been that person. That's what scares me every day. That's why I'm in a bit of a, you know, in a very much rush because It's like, dude, if I don't get this done, if I don't become that person, I'm not only letting myself down, I'm letting my family down. I'm letting my whole generation down. Because my parents have done so much to get me here. Right? And it's my job now to take my family here and get us there.
0: So so in in that case, Aaron, what do you say, like, your future potential is that what motivates you, like, that gap, trying to reach that?
1: Yes, totally. Wow. And, um, but it's the thing that motivates me more is look, it's not about when you're at the mountains, it's about when you're in the trenches, (laughs) I live for that because it's all about the process, right? Like bro moving to Vancouver and starting a or getting into a business where I knew zero people, that wasn't easy. Right? Like, we're, our, my whole platform works on a warm and hot market basis. I had neither of that. When I tried to, and, and I tried coming to Calgary, but here's the thing. I didn't have Zoom before. I couldn't connect with someone like this in Calgary. I had to drive or take a plane and do those, and I was doing that. But building a business in a city where, you know, absolutely zero people is very challenging. But going back to that, the question was, am I going to just give up or am I going to fight through? And that whole year was just growth and that was adversities and that was getting punched and kicked and slapped and getting back up. And that was every single day. Like, dude, I remember when I was living downtown Vancouver and my office was in Surrey. So if you know how Vancouver works, Surrey's about an hour and a half train ride to get there. I didn't have a car. And I was so fired up at what I was doing about educating people and living the dream and getting to that and doing all those things, especially in Vancouver, that I'd wake up at six in the morning and transit all the way here. I had one of my guys pick me up at a SkyTrain station. Oh, it okay. got to a point there where I left my job because I was so fired up. And then I moved to Surrey because it made more sense to build the business. Okay, got out of kind of this and that. And, and bro, at that time, I burned through all my savings. Dead, dead broke. I still have a picture here with one of my friends and uh, we ended, I ended up going to Safeway and I was so broke that I could literally afford peanut butter, jelly, and a freaking ham sandwich. Like no, no BS, like yeah. Wow. And I still remember this, bro. I'd wake up and I'd be like, why am I doing this? I'm like, why am I doing this? Like I wanna quit and I wanted to quit every single day. And there's people that may listen to this that are maybe going through that right now, you know, it's that you're, you're giving it your all you're doing so much, you're going out, you're meeting new people. You're trying to prospect You're you're interacting with them. They're saying, no, they show up, they cancel the meeting. They show up. They start, they quit. They, they tell you they're going to do something. They don't do anything at all. And you're like, is this even worth it? It is. It absolutely is why because every single person that you meet that comes into your life and that leaves your life is building your story. It's a part of your movie. Going back to that, that, that movie and that concept I was talking about, every single person that you have in your life will will be a lesson in your life. If there's an adversity or if it's a success, it is a lesson in your life. And the only question is, are you open minded to actually be open to that lesson? Right? So moving to Surrey, being dead broke, I learned how to live very frugally. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like when I was in Calgary, bro, it was a like cactus every, every night. Like, and, and I used to go out so much. Like thir- I'll tell you, Thursday night was the den, Friday night was common, Saturday night was bespoke, I think when they were open, Sunday night was fire and ice. Oh. <laughs> it was a, fi- dude, I was going out five days in that, like five days a week, and it did a toll on me, right? And so when I moved to Surrey, it was it was very frugally. I was I was living very under my means. I was broke. Don't get me wrong, but dude, I was waking up. I was listening to podcasts. I was still going at it. I was doing. I was trying to do 75 hard. Remember, trying is lying. I didn't commit to doing it like I'm doing it right now. I'm on day 15 right now, so
0: mm-hmm. there's a
1: little bit of ways to go. But um, yeah, bro, and uh, just consistently, just look. Don't force the results. Force the activity. Because if you force the activity that got you to where you were, the results will come as a byproduct, right? So I just consistently did that, um, and, and God's grace. We started finding more leaders. We started building a distribution, and um, you know, I was, it's we're not we're nowhere yet. Like we're just getting started. But dude, trust me, I've been I've been at at bottom, at, like literally dead rock bottom, being dead broke, and you're you literally got like five bucks in your bank account, and you're like, do I get gas or do I get food?
0: Yeah. Yeah, well that that's the thing too. I think it's almost a blessing in disguise. Like I've been at low points too. And um, you know, I think that's like it gives you that motivation to power through the rut. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, now where you're at now, you can you have all the the memories with you and you always can like reflect back on that and it can help you push forward. Um, but I guess even coming back to like getting over rejection, I know when you must have been in that mode where you were kind of dead broke and kind of climbing and start starting fresh in vancouver you know what did you do when you encountered rejection and like what was that experience how did you overcome that
1: um i i understood rejection you see rejection when someone says no to you regardless of what industry you're in and what business that you may be in they're not saying no to you personally they're they're really saying no to themselves so let me elaborate on that For example, if you go to a restaurant, you have a good meal. The server comes out with some water, asks if you want more water. You say, no, they're not going to say, oh, serving doesn't work for me. They're not going to say, oh, I'm a very bad server. They're going to go next and say, sir, would you like more water? Mm. I'm privileged to be in an industry and an organization where all I can do is just give people an opportunity. If they want to take it, let's run with it. If they don't, that's okay. So when I go and approach some individuals and I say, Hey brother, do you want to go and win in life? Hey sister, do you want to learn how to get ahead in life? All these things. They say, no, I learned that They're not saying no to me. They're just saying no to themselves. So do I take that as a rejection? No, I have fun with it. I say, look, let me see how many no's I can get. So I, I program my mind in a way where it becomes a game and I'm not going to go sit down. Oh, he said no to me. No, 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 no. I'm just going to take that rejection. Okay, What could I have done better? Analyze it. Right. Remember every single time a person you meet is part of the process. So it's, are you going to view them as a person that just rejected you or are you going to view it as a lesson and learn something from it? You see how it goes back to kind of my philosophy always be learning and growing. Um, yeah, that, that's how I deal with rejection. So when someone says no, they're not saying no to you. They may just say no because they don't believe in the idea. And the second thing is they're just saying no, because the timing is not right. And if someone actually rejects you, don't take it personally. I mean, that's my biggest tip is, is don't take it personally. Um, if you're in an industry or you're in an organization, you're in a business that requires you to be working with people and either you're hiring or recruiting or training new people, just remember, you got to follow up with people because if the timing isn't right, the timing isn't right. Like, dude, I've had people in my business right now because of COVID that just reach out to me and they say, hey, bro, I know last time we met, the timing wasn't right. Um, you know, I'm looking at getting started right now. If you still have an opportunity, I'm like, damn, I'm straight with you. Absolutely. So remember, it's, it's how do you want to be viewed in the marketplace? And, and remember, how are you going to deal with the rejection? Right. It's, it's all about your brand that you're building. And so when you deal with rejection, if someone rejects you just remember, they're not saying no to you. They're just saying no to really themselves, but maybe the timing just isn't right. So there's nothing you can do about that. Just keep following that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's just incredible to see the role that, you know, personal development and your mindset has played in your life. Just even to go through like rejection, which a lot of people, would be stopped by for you it's kind of what fuels you in a lot of ways yeah. and you can overcome it. Yeah. Um, but yeah I guess Aaron, now that we kind of know your story and your journey from you know being born in Kuwait, having parents that work really hard, you know doing hockey, being a, an elite athlete, um, you know, working through school and finance and moving to Vancouver and uh, building a business. but uh, where is Aaron headed? like you, you mentioned legacy a lot of times in the last hour you know, what is Aaron's legacy? What does the future look like for you?
1: Yeah, thank you. And uh, I'll tell you, the future is very bright. Um, I'm, I'm blessed and privileged to be, to have so many people that believe in me around me that allows us to, and also be able to think big that allows me to dream bigger. And so um, my vision within the next, um, you know, five years is being able to influence a lot of individuals and, mm. and just be able to help people, Know that, look, that you're not you're not put here to be average. You're you're destined for more. The only question is, are you willing to sit down with yourself and find the strengths and gifts that God's given you? Because understand this: if you want to get back into biology, you were the winner, right? Like you won out of all those other sperms. You hit the egg first. Like you're a winner. You were born a winner. But we have media right now that constricts that thought process of us being a winner. And they, they condition us to think that you need a certain degree. You need to look this way. You need to be this to be a winner in life. And that's, that's bogus. you got to believe in what you want to stand for going back to what do you want to leave when you leave here? So where do I see myself in the next five years, brother, is I see us growing all over us and Canada Um, within my business. Um, we have a a five-year game plan of me being we're able to go to New York, Miami, um, um, sorry, California, um, Toronto. And I want to be able to build a hub kind of around there within my business, but long term wise is I'm actually looking at just building a syndicate. Um, what I would love to do as like I, I could die peacefully after this is if we're able to build an institution, like an education institution that doesn't just grade kids on a curriculum so let me help you understand like what I want to do is be able to create a development or an academy where you're able to you know raise our youth with critical thinking skills you know problem solving skills you teach them mindset you teach them instead of what do you want to be when you grow up you ask them the question what problems do you want to solve And we change the wiring of how we're raising our children and our future generations to become problem solvers, to become leaders instead of followers. And that's what I, you know, want to be able to build and and I know we're going to do that and so that's kind of what drives me. Like if, if I'm able to tell you one thing that I'd love to have aside from retiring my parents and doing all those things. Um, it's being able to build maybe a, definitely an, an institution or an academy where dude we're able to just change the way that people think um, I think that would result so many you know mental health issues um, and you look at you know mental health is a very very strong t- subject right now and, um, you know I had times where I thought I was going down that road but it was just the belief in you right it's, it's the promises you make to yourself and I was able to have that life where it allowed me to not go to a substance to deal with my problems. Um, but being able to just teach individuals and people that, hey, like, you know what, let's, let's change this. Let's upgrade this. Because so many times we upgrade, you know, from our, from our neck down. Mm-hmm. A brand new suit, brand new car, brand new this. But when was the last I made a brand new thinking? And kind of to tie into that is I believe that change at the end of the day, Here's the, out, the, sound, change at the end of the day is never an external force. It needs to be internally in order for the external to show it. So what do I mean by that? In order for you to have your life change externally, you need to work on yourself internally. Aaron is a prime example of that. I didn't like who I was in Calgary. I didn't like my associations. I didn't like my life. I didn't like the way I was spending my time. I didn't like the thoughts that I was having. So what did I have to do? I worked a year and a half on myself. bro. I got out of a relationship that was for a very long time. Right. And, and, and those adversities that you go through, build your character where now I know what I want in life. There's nothing more powerful than a made up mind. And I know like, when it comes to relationships, I know the standards of what I hold, and what I look for, right? When it comes to to people in my life, I look at this it's the standards that you set for yourself, and um, being able to have that it, it's 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 life changing. And so, going back to all those things, it goes back to that that main concept. Hey, dude, if I can build something great, is being able to change the way that we think, um, build that education system where our our youth, our, our teenagers. They're learning about concepts of how money works. They're working on their mindset. They're becoming leaders. And uh, I think if we do that, that's where we're going to be able to front load a lot more leaders in the world. And I think that's what the world needs is more leadership. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing here. And like, I look at you as a leader, like it's important that you're out in the public and represent yourself, not only because of, you know, what you bring to the table, but what you, you can do for others, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people can look up to you and see your journey and inspires them to you know, lift themselves up as well but um i love that man but uh i guess where, where could the people find you like on social media and links to check out
1: yeah totally so you can definitely get me on instagram um it's at Aaron pinto i'm actually working a little bit more on getting more um involved socially um and i think that's also uh, a thing that's you know i'm working on because hey getting in front of a camera is a little bit awkward but listen I'll tell you it's my first podcast that we're doing together um, I had an amazing time um, but yeah definitely get me on Instagram you can reach me on there um, I follow back I'm always on there I always comment and um, you know I love conversations about growth so if you're someone that has any questions adversities like anything on what we do or or my thought process on things give me give me a DM or, or shoot me a call because um, hey I love growth conversations I love uh, being able to help people and influence people and um, thank you Jeremiah for being able to actually do this for me because um, dude I'll tell you I've been watching and I've been seeing you grow and and I'm excited to really just be a part of your your vision as well and uh, you know help you with your journey as you want to transition into I think it was filmmaking and getting into the podcast and videos so uh, I'm blessed and privileged and so grateful that you were able to take the time to do this with me today so thank you for that
0: yeah well no worries I'm like seeing you and it, it like I don't know it motivates me too, just to see someone like when I first met you like your work ethic and your drive I could just like sense it like I was like wow this this guy is this guy's hungry right it's you you like to see that in people right it's because it motivates me as well but um I have one more question for you I lied yeah and uh just this, this just came to mind because I think you'd be the perfect person for this question mm-hmm. but let's say we have uh, like a 15 year old guy he's located somewhere in Texas and he doesn't believe in himself And, you know, he looks up at you, Aaron, and he asks this question, you know, how can I believe in myself? What what advice would you have for him?
1: Great question. Um, Believing in yourself ties very much to your self-identity. And I learned that from my coaches right now and my mentors right now is is your self-identity. So if you want to start believing in yourself, let's go back to the root cause is what is your self-identity? Your self-identity is the promises you make to yourself. So why don't you believe in yourself? It's because you ain't doing the stuff you're telling you're going to do, right? You're going to go read a. You say yourself, oh, I'm going to go read a book. You don't read a book. You say you're going to go for a walk. You don't go on a walk. So how can you build that relationship with yourself where you believe you're going to do what you're going to say you're going to do? You don't. So if you're a 15-year-old kid or you're just an individual right now, like I was struggling with that. Like It's a, it's a constant struggle. Listen, like, you know the thing that most people see is they see us all positive, excited, like yeah, we get negative thoughts too, but we take it, disassociate with it, and move on, and focus on our goals. But if you just don't believe in yourself, start off by doing this thing called the powerless. And it's a great, it's a great tip. it's a great thing that I use is every single morning you write down five things that you're gonna do during the day. Um, whether it be you know, bang up fifty phone calls, I'm gonna go for an hour walk, I'm gonna go, um, say hello to somebody. I'm going to hold the door for someone and say, hey, have a wonderful day. Um, that's how I build confidence to talking to people as well. So um, definitely doing those little things and having that power five. And you can check that off. And you evaluate yourself at the end of the day and say, you know what? I did do that. Okay, I did do that. I did do that. And now you're starting to build that confidence. Now you're starting to build that belief in you. And when you, when that happens, someone says you're a bum or you're this. You're like, man, who are you? Right? Who are you? Your opinion does not matter to me because I know who I am because I'm congruent to my identity.
0: Damn, man. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. But uh, There you have it, guys. That's Aaron Pinto. And definitely go check him out on Instagram. This is a guy you can learn a lot from. He has an inspiring work ethic. The guy doesn't stop. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast, Aaron. Uh, this is definitely awesome, man. I learned a lot during this one.
1: Thanks, bro. Appreciate that.